Good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 58 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from Build a Cloud Day in San Francisco. Today, we have our first ever live roundtable session. So, Build a Cloud Day has just concluded, and we're here with a number of the organizers and speakers from the events. And so, guys, uh, why don't we go around the table here quickly? Let's start with you, Joe. I'm Joe Brockmeyer, and uh, I'm here basically just uh, organizing this event um, and giving everybody an opportunity to talk about their role in the cloud infrastructure or ecosystem. Awesome. John? Uh, John Willis uh, and Stratus, also Bachika Loop on uh, Twitter. Uh, I was one of the speakers today, um, so I spoke uh, uh, basically uh, a dry run of what I'm going to be doing Friday at PuppetConf, which is uh, kind of short titled Deming to DevOps. And it was very good. Oh, thank you. Very good. Hi, I'm David Nally, and uh, I was here to speak today about Apache Cloud Stack. And uh, if you care to follow me on Twitter, I'm uh, KE4QQQ. Uh, and uh, yes, I made that purposefully difficult for people. Uh, I don't have a cool name like John, so uh, I, I will at least make it difficult for you. Radio Hammers Unite! <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. My name's uh, Brian Bullard. I work for a company called Fifth Planet Games and uh, another uh, ISP called SureWest Communications. Um, I've been working heavily with CloudStack and speaking about CloudStack today and uh, how awesome it is. Cool. And, and, Brian, you have the distinction of being the first ever actual customer <laughs> on on the cloudcast, we uh, we we talk to a lot of vendors, a lot of people in the industries, and a lot of like analysts and things like that. And we're always like, we need customers, we need customers. So, you're we, a token customer. Yeah, you're. We really appreciate your input. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You're super lucky. <laughs> and finally, we have John Mark Walker. Yes, I am John Mark Walker. I uh, am the Gluster Community Guy, as I self-professed Gluster Community Guy. I work for Red Hat, uh, where I was acquired by them almost a year ago today. Very cool, very cool. So for the, the session folks, um, let's just real quick around the table a little bit more in depth of, about exactly what we talked about. Um, so so um, David, cloud, tell us a little bit more about the cloud, the upcoming CloudStack 4.0 release and the Apache yeah. Foundation and some of the other details from kind sure. of recap the session for so, everybody. So Apache, our CloudStack itself is, is not really... Uh, something new. It's it's about four years old, which is pretty ancient in the infrastructure as a service space. Um, but uh, CloudStack was recently donated to the Apache Software Foundation uh, back in April, uh, moved to the incubator, and uh, is working through getting out its first Apache release. Um, so that release has a has a number of new features. But the the interesting thing is that we moved into that new governance model. We're working through all of the process that Apache has and, and uh, learning uh, their process for getting releases out. And uh, hopefully we should have that mid-October, I'm thinking. So. Very cool. Very cool. And, and uh, oh, there's uh, there's two Johns. So I have to – John Willis. John 1. <laughs> John 1 and John 2. <laughs> yeah, John John 1. So, so you're – uh, presentation was was very interesting and, and a little different today. 
I actually um, saw the web streaming version of the Chicago uh, Build a Cloud, and that was the kind of, as you said, the more polished version that you kind of tend tend used to giving. So give us a little bit of an update of what's different and what you're kind of introducing at the, the public comp. Yeah, so, um, you know, the, um, uh, thanks for uh, Citrix for inviting me to these. I really do enjoy uh, the Build a Cloud. They particularly talk about DevOps, which I have a, a deep passion for. Um, so um, typically I, I just tell the story of DevOps, and that was the Chicago one that, you know, the, uh, although I did during that one talk about, hey, I am preparing for this kind of mega speech that I've been wanting to give. Um, and so it, just to give you a kind of short version is uh, Ben Rockward at Lisa in the last year gave this amazing presentation called DevOps Transformation. It was the keynote at Lisa in Boston. And, and not only myself, but just about everybody who saw it just it flipped. You know, it was, it was just awesome. And he talked about the history of science and really talked about some thought leaders that have really, um, you know, that, that, that really are meaningful to this thing we call DevOps. So um, so ever since I've seen that presentation and I've had a lot of opportunity to meet Ben at different uh, meetups and DevOps days, and and, uh, and he's just a, an encyclopedia of these guys, and, and he's just driven my passion. And so when the puppet comp came up, um, I thought, what the heck? I, I, hadn't, I really honestly didn't think they'd accept the presentation. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I said this kind of putting the science back in computer science and deming to DevOps. Mm -hmm. and, um, so, um, so, you know, so this one was really uh, focused on this idea that um, there are these, like, really awesome companies today that are running in this DevOps model, uh, Etsy's, Netflix, and, and there's some secret sauce there. And, and my presentation was a conversation about that uh, it is my belief that these companies have indirectly learned from the, from the science thought leaders of the 20th century, you know, starting with Heisenberg uh, through Deming, Golrat, and, 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 I, and I tried to make this show the patterns of relationship. So, yep, uh, and it's, it's very different in the fact that it's certainly a, a technical presentation doesn't tend to give a lot of history in our industry, right? And given some industry industry history and some thought leadership that wasn't related to this industry at all, quite frankly, um, and really interesting stuff. Yeah, and you know, and, and again, I go back to thanking Ben Rockwood again because that he did actually talk about many of these leaders um, and, and why they're important for us to learn from. You know, my, my idea today was to take it one step further in that trying to really identify the patterns that these guys, the, the way they thought counterintuitive, you know, the, the things that they put in place that now are, are this. You know, we think about DevOps right today that there's still like, it's still a small percentage of people that run in this kind of DevOps way. And, you know, I always say there's 5% of the companies actually doing DevOps and 95% are doing, you know, um, anti-DevOps, if you will. <laughs> and, 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 and what's amazing is all these kind of counterintuitive ideas of these scientists of the 20th century, I think, uh, have paved that way for that 5%, which I hopefully will be 30% or 50%. Or, sure. So. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the interesting things that John and I talked about during one of the coffee breaks was, you know, he's outlining this history, and we tend to think of technology and particularly uh, some of this move to DevOps is being really transformational. And manufacturing companies were doing this 30, 40 years ago. Uh, the people who were coming up with these ideas were doing it pre-World War II. Uh, and we constantly think we've done something new and awesome, and, and they've, uh, 
uh, really what we're doing is rediscovering work that they did you know 60 years ago easily yeah so, totally yep. yeah very cool all right so brian um your presentation tell us a little bit about that and some of the highlights of your session as well it was my first presentation really ever and uh scary at first <laughs> um, you did I, good though man you did good <laughs> i think i powered through it um Except yeah. for the part where he threw up in the middle. Of <laughs> we had a bucket nearby. Well, that, that, it was fun. I didn't like that whole fist fight thing that you had. Was, uh, other than that, yeah. Although that was part of the show. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, the, the CloudStack crew has uh, been very friendly to me um, over the last year, and I've uh, just kind of wanted to pay back the favor and, and show people how we're using it. And, uh, and it's building efficiencies for me, and it's helping me out, and... I love it. Same thing with Gluster. I mean, it's funny sitting next to the Gluster community manager because <laughs> my supervisor was asking me, well, ask him about GUI. What's going on there? Ah, <laughs> now you have your answer. <laughs> yep. So I texted him back. I said, who cares about GUI? So <laughs> there you give go. me APIs. There you <laughs> go. Right. What I really found interesting about yours was, was a combination of I really like the you, you were kind of talking a little bit about API strategy and and the private cloud and AWS and the fact that CloudStack you having a compatible API strategy there really helped you in your organization and also quite frankly your business just never would have probably even happened if it wouldn't have been for some of the cloud technologies that you you utilize to kind of stand it up and keep it running. Yeah, I mean, when they started, they were running low on funds already. So it was like, you know, it did successful and it scaled out appropriately. You know, they went from three to four employees to 40 employees over two years. And it's it's thriving right now. Yeah. Like we've got three new games coming out. Uh, it's not slowing down at all. <laughs> and it's 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 been phenomenal, to, uh, something phenomenal to watch and be part of. Like, you know... I, originally started by finding them on Craigslist and it I went into it thinking it was going to be a couple kids with nothing and it ended up being like almost life altering for me. So this is another example of sort of open source powered growth. I mean you how could you have possibly scaled to the extent that you needed to without you know open source powering what you did? It, it's impossible. <laughs> I mean it's not necessarily the cost it's just the speed and agility. I mean if you need to get stuff running fast you need to iterate quickly you know how do you do that without an open source solution behind it. Yeah, even if it was really cheap, just going through the sales cycle. Yep. You know, what's an enterprise sales cycle? Six months to eighteen months. Well, I'm preaching to the choir too, right? The adaptability, right? Right. The, just you know, the the fact that I'm sure you know, just like everybody. In fact, the the kind of the interesting thing now is these the monsters like the Facebooks and the, uh, the this new X.com, which is fun. They they're starting to say things that they will not acquire technology that isn't open source. Because at their level of scale and complexity, yeah. they are convinced they have to modify the code. You know? Yeah, it's completely turned heads in my organization where I work, um, whereas they were kind of enterprise only. But I'm, with some of the stuff I've been doing, it's changing the, their whole outlook. What was the uh, what was the term you used in your presentation for the, the old servers? Um, oh, ticking time bombs? Yeah, the ticking time bombs, right? <laughs> I've, got, I've got a few of those in both environments. We all do. Right, right. <laughs> so, so finally, um, 
John two, John, John Mark Walker, J, JM, JM, make it simple. JM, there. there you go. So, so uh, tell us a little bit about your spine, Mike. Uh, well, you know, I, I like to talk about when I give my presentation about the Gloucester community and Gloucester FS. I like to give more than just the technology behind it. I mean, a lot of people want to know about the technology, and I'm I'm happy to oblige them. But I think it's important to know the philosophy behind the project, how we started, uh, sort of where we've been, you know, why we're doing what we're doing, and and what we ultimately want to accomplish, I, you know, you can you can download a manual and, and get the sort of you know list of commands you need to, to do something. But in my presentation, I really want to convey you know not just that. I'll, I'll give some overview of the, the technical you know architecture and stuff like that. But it's really about you know what we're about and sort of give someone something tangible that they can take home and then you know sort of drive their thought process as they go forward. So very cool. Good. Good. Um, so. I'm going to go circle back around to this this API strategy for a moment and just kind of throw a question out um, to everyone. Um, how important is it to really pick an API strategy up front and really do a lot of design around that? Is it something that is, you know, make or break from the get-go? Is it something you can kind of make right and left turns as you go? Are, are you talking from a yeah. consumer perspective? Consumer, consumer yeah. perspective. Like you're the customers that that everyone talks to here. You know, so I think the API piece is, in many ways, a, a nice rabbit hole for people to jump down. And <laughs> and I really think that the people who are smart are the folks like Adrian Cole and Jemus, who are writing abstraction libraries that say, "Hey, Design Cloud." Design cloud, sorry. I, I figured you were gonna you were gonna shout that out anyway. So I, I was hoping you would pimp your own stuff. Um, you know, George Reese who wrote uh, who wrote that. But so there's uh, they figured out that you know if you can become that broker between it uh, between the various models, you can move around pretty seamlessly. Um, where that falls apart is when you start uh, consuming the stuff that isn't common. You know. Deploying a virtual machine works, you know, whether it's EC2 or GoGrib or CloudStack or whatever. That works regardless of, of uh, which abstraction library. If you want to do something like RDS or um, Dynamo or something like that, you all of a sudden, that doesn't work on any, uh, just any cloud. So you've kind of locked yourself in, even if the abstraction library supports it, you know, uh, you've locked yourself in regardless of that abstraction library. I think that really is the smarter strategy, though, is using the abstraction library. I, I don't know if I may be smoking crack. And no, you're, <laughs> you're spot on, I think. I mean, I, I was trying to think of a broader sense of APIs like Apigee and mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. But, yeah. but obviously this is a clear the cloud day, so of course. We're all the cloud Of course, of course, right? So uh, stick with what we know, right? But. But one of the things I will say, and, and I think all of the, you know, except for Amazon, that the, the one of the problems is the immaturity. I, I think that I, I kind of joke now, so, you know, being at, at Stratus and having to deal with these abstractions and having to do serious stuff with infrastructure service APIs, we see a lot of issues, right? And, sure. and so, um, you know, I, I say that, you know, it used to be you, you, you did this, you wrote the code, you did this, and the last thing you did was documentation. Well, now I think it is, you did this, you do this, you write the code, um, then you do the documentation, and the last thing you do is, oh, yeah, let's look at the, what the APIs have changed. 
and, and that seems to be the, the predominant model in infrastructure as a service sure. cloud delivery of APIs. Um, you know, metadata formats change at whim, you know, and, 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 and you know, I think that, you know, before we can get really serious about using, I don't know what your experience is, but our experiences of all the clouds, they're all offenders of this, that, you know, a new version will completely change the, the format of something as simple like identifying the instance that just got started, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I may be ig talking ignorance here, but like a global API, like a layer for the APIs or something that would convert those APIs where everyone talks to each other and they know what they're doing with their APIs would be awesome, you know? But again, but if the vendors kind of have this cowboy attitude about, or not thinking about like that has to be as important as the UI, I think more important, right? People tend more important, yeah. Well, but but I mean, unfortunately, I think that it it, it doesn't manifest that way, right? Yeah. It, but it, you know, to your to one of your earlier points, you said that uh, ninety five percent of the companies out there today are doing the anti DevOps pattern, and if that's true, then you know, two and a half, maybe one percent have adopted cloud computing effectively. So you know, we are still so very so nascent. Early. Yep. Totally. Uh, that you know, I, I don't think that things are going to stabilize. They should stabilize, and people should care about that upgrade path. Yeah. And you know, handling, um, handling growth in a sustainable way. You know, don't just suddenly deprecate. Have a deprecation period if you must, uh, or just don't break things in the first place. Yeah. But sure. I, I don't think we're, I don't think we're anywhere near that. I mean, we're in such a nascent market when it's. When it's uh, when it's only the choir that has adopted your your sermon, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think that's the answer to the question is mm -hmm. that you know I think the consumer today just has to be flexible. Yeah, because they have no choice because yeah. we're they, in such an early stage of the of this. Well, and have we reached a point? Because I, I will say this one thing: kind of sitting sitting listening today, you know, I, I think at it. In every presentation today, at, at some point, you know, Amazon was mentioned. No. And, and of course they are, right? Because you can't do anything with cloud computing without mentioning them at least once. It's required in the presentation, right? Then we're Netflix, right? What was the company um, you were talking about? <laughs> exactly. But here's where I'm going with that. When it, again, circling back around to this API strategy, has AWS or really won the API war, do you have to be compatible to be a player? Or is it more like you're saying, do you write abstraction shims or, you know, everyone look in your crystal ball for a second. What do you, what do you need to, you know? It's important to remember what David was just saying. So even if you take the position, which is not unreasonable, that Amazon is well out front, um, the, the number of companies that have adopted Amazon, EC2, AWS, whatever, all of their services is still, you know, a very small percentage of the market. Absolutely. So they may have captured a large percentage of the 2% of the market that's actually doing things on the cloud, uh, public cloud. But I, I think it's a far cry from saying they have everything wrapped up and they own the APIs right. and everything. I mean, um, they have quite the head start. They do. Well, they have but, a head start. But. And, and they're running really fast. Too. Yes, they're not slowing <laughs> down. That's the thing. Not to, not to go back to all the manufacturing stuff and the automotive manufacturing that John brings up in his presentations, but if you look at the early days, companies like Ford owned the automotive market uh, as far as percentage of 
of vehicles consumed. And the market still dramatically changed when it matured. Yep. Uh, not that they're a, a two-bit player now, but uh, they certainly aren't. They are no longer the single dominant uh, yeah. player. Yeah, they, they were overwhelming. Uh, well, actually, what's interesting is that there were actually, I forget the number, but before kind of Ford kind of invented mass production, there were like 50 or 60 ridiculous amount of... And, and you know it was they were all kind of well I'll buy the yellow one that has purple dots on them, right? The, the, and uh, but then you know Ford just like through automation you know automation so you make right. the auto just like you can have any color you want as long as yeah, black right. just like yeah. annihilated the competition they did and and that same automation and early advances there has allowed Amazon to take that early lead will that continue once yeah. we get past that two three four percent of the market it, if, if you looked at if you had this discussion 12 years ago, what you would have been talking about is how can Linux possibly compete with Solaris when it has such a lead <laughs> in the market and yeah. Linux is so cowboy and, and things change so quickly. Yeah. How can that Sorry. possibly work? <laughs> um, that was the Red Hat guy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, too, to be clear. Yeah. You know, and there was Red Hat, Red Hat John. That's what you're, we're calling Red you. Red Hat John. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> I certainly think that Amazon is more competent than Sun was, but... Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that <laughs> that uh, you need to be static and, and and you know everything at this point where the market's still growing. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a, that joke and, writes itself. Right and there. really, you know, the the Unix market was pretty mature and stable. Right. Uh, and and Linux was still able to disrupt uh, disrupt all of that. Um, I mean, they didn't just disrupt Solaris; they disrupted HPUX and. Uh, a number of other Unix players. So. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just the open cloud either. I mean, you know, Amazon has this tiny little company called Google that's trying to compete with it. I hear there's this other little company in Redmond, Washington, people may have heard of, that's trying to horn in on that business. So I wouldn't call it locked just yeah. yet. Here's the, here's the thing I think that is important to note that gets missed by a lot of and, and um, uh, what is Ben Black, right? So Ben Black wrote a great article recently about why he thinks Google is going to succeed. And it's the point that it, it's, it's, you know, unfortunately everything looks like a nail to me. So is, is DevOps, is it, it's a subversive thing when you, when you think about it. Is it enabling, is it empowering to, you know, the sysadmin on the floor? Or is it going to be the end of his job? Oh, it's, it's, it's like. Every, or is it both? It, so. it, 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 well, it, you know, I would say it is. Um, it, it is. It is not um, removing his job. I mean, it, it's. It's like saying, you know, I've been doing this now, thirty-five years, right? And I, I can tell you every pattern of this new thing that comes in, where the fear is, you know, there was mainframe automation, automated operations. It was going to replace operators. You know, what it did is actually improve the operators' lives and jobs. And, okay. Know, chef and puppet do not. Um, you know, could be foreseen. It, it is, in fact, it was and still is very threatening to sysadmins. Huh. And, and it, you know, selling Chef for a, for a while, I mean, the enterprise would look at it and say, oh, that's going to put Because, you know, the, the, the common theme you hear now is like, oh, if we reduce our IT staff by, you know, 90% yeah. and we move all public cloud, then, yeah, hey, you know, more money for well, us. Well, you know, know, that's a different, that, that's, a, that's a whole longer discussion. Because okay. that's a cloud... 
so the, the idea that DevOps, right? So DevOps yeah. is is about um, making things more efficient, right. um, velocity of innovation. I always say it's the the eighty twenty flop, where if your people today are doing eighty percent junk work and twenty percent, um, you know, innovative investment. Yeah. Things like DevOps, Chef, Puppet, Infrastructure as Code, Cluster, whatever, yeah. actually flop that. Where now what you're actually seeing is those people are using 80% doing innovative um, things and 20% junk or muck, right? Okay. And, and so I think that's the, you know, do you lose some dead wood? Absolutely. But now on the cloud thing, I think that's a very, that's another interesting question because. Right. People make this mistake on the cloud, and they look at this. They, it just kills me. They look at this kind of ROI discussion, and it's such a silly discussion. Is that you know? Well, I, I, I you know, I, I can buy ten servers, and I can you know, and cost it out over a year, and it's going to cost this, and I can basically go to Amazon and you know get the n you know per hour on an extra large or whatever, and, and say okay, done. No, it's ridiculously not done. There yeah. are so many human costs. To that transition, and you know, talking yeah. about manufacturer change over time, yeah, you wow. know that that are so that just you know to be think that you know you know starting from architectural deficiencies of working on a bare metal infrastructure and then going to commodity infrastructure, not bringing your um, your uh, infrastructure people with you, your sysadmins. Oh, I didn't think we needed those guys. I thought the cloud did that for me. I mean, it, the list goes on and yeah. on and on. And that's why that, that whole calculation of RI is like just. But, but I do think that there's a class that gets affected by it. So, you know, we saw tape libraries, which are a great example of some of the automation that I think right. DevOps encourages. Uh, and when I look at, when I look there, there aren't many people employed as tape changers anymore. Right. Uh, but they so, went to other things. <laughs> hopefully they went to other things. <laughs> right. Do I think that, do I think that some of the role of, of you know, people who uh, who would do those uh, really junior sysadmin tasks like um, like provisioning machines by hand are going away. Eh, when DevOps becomes mainstream, sure. Uh, but I'm, but I'm amazed at the people who who still have jobs doing but, that. As but it, it depends on the culture again, right? So sure. like what I was talking about, like one of my takeaways, right, is that you know um, you know create you know. Create people, not software, right? Right. Uh, create you, and, and so you know the thing is, you, you, um, you know, you build a culture and environment where the subject matter expertise of the people in your organization are based around the organization. Right. And yeah. so, so a tape hanger isn't. A, you know, this is an extreme example, but a tape hanger isn't really a tape hanger. A tape hanger is somebody who understands the IP and the value. Of that organization, and and so that person, you know, even in a tape hanging scenario, probably brings stuff to the table if the cult, if you cultivated the organization properly. Right, right. That should be able to use in right. any capacity. Well, the, the, the operative word there is if the, you know you create the right kind of culture. That's, right. that, that's yeah, yeah. you know. It's also freed up resources. Like if I didn't have to work on all these crappy physical yeah. time, <laughs> exactly. and I actually had a lot of automation built and I could work on your next PaaS or SaaS right, or right. whatever. Or, or innovative I things think for it's the company. All, yeah. A yeah. lot of it's going to the development portion of it. Like it's not so much infrastructure anymore. It's development with infrastructure. It's, it's very... But what I, what I see when I see people fearing this entire DevOps thing is that they see the efficiency it drives. Mm -hmm. And instead of 
taking that efficiency as a business advantage, people see that as a cost reduction. Um, and that's a yes. very important yeah. uh, distinction. Yeah. It, it does. It really does get back to the cultural issue, and yeah. and the importance that DevOps is not a series of tools, or a series of even methods that people adopt. I mean, it, it is that culture. Well, in the enlightened business people today, you know, again, look at Amazon for a whole different set of reasons. I always joke about imagine the conversation between Bezos and the CFO eight years ago when they were investing unbelievable amount of money in in technical debt of infrastructure. Yep. And they were like, well, how is that going to pay off? Oh, just trust me. Trust me. Look how it pays off today. Right? So it, it's leadership yeah. that understands, you know, the, the investment value of those types of decisions, you know. So. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. So right, I'm going to wrap, wrap this because we've got to <laughs> run. Um, so, so real, real quick. Um, guys, go around the table real quick. Website or Twitter or whatever. What's the best way to follow either you or your company's products? Uh, this is Joe Brockmeyer. The best way to follow me is on Twitter, and that's JZB. So it's real easy to find. Cool. Uh, John Willis, Bachikaloop on Twitter. I also am uh, in stratus.com. David Nally, and Twitter is KE4QQQ. That's three Qs. Um, and uh, cloudstack.org uh, for, uh, for the project. Um, I'm on Twitter, too. It's Bilardo916, and um, I have, like, four total followers. So. And you're Brian Bullard. Yeah, I bet Brian you can double that. Oh, sorry, no, already after the, Brian Bullard. I've I, I already messed up your name. After, <laughs> no, right. after the talk, I increased it by three. So. And I'm J.M. Walker, and uh, you can find me. I'm at John Mark on Twitter, J-O-H-N-M-A-R-K, or you can find me on Gluster.org all the time. Yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. Thank you, everyone. Um, so... If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. If you have a question or feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at show at thecloudcast.net. Um, that is it for this week, and thank you very much for listening.